This is the Spa Retailer Podcast, where we talk retail, business, and all things related to the hot tip industry. I'm your host, Megan Kendrick, owner of Spa Retailer Magazine. All right. So today on the Spa Retailer Podcast, I'd like to welcome back Martin Holland from Anil Business Coaching, who is, if you remember, my business coach. So welcome back to the uh, podcast, Martin. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. I was at a conference a few weeks ago and someone was talking to me about the podcast and they mentioned the episode that we had done is one that they had liked. So I was like, let's get him back on. Oh, somebody heard it, huh? I, that's what I said. I was I'm, like, oh, you look great. <laughs> now I'm nervous. Uh, listeners. Yeah, I know. I, I, oh, that's great. I think I say this to people. I am continually surprised at how many people, when I run into them, bring up the podcast. And I'm just like, right. I really had no idea that that many people listen to the podcast. Of course, it's probably like all 50 of them, right, <laughs> that I run into. I do it because I enjoy it. We have a podcast, Khalil and Ellie Hodge and I. And yeah, I'm not sure of the numbers. I hear numbers and I go, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I've got four clients across the United States and they came from the podcast. And yeah. I did, they were clients for a while before I even realized that. Yeah. So, See, you never yeah. know. And I will say, I tell this to my team. I'm like, the podcast may not make us money like on the front end, but let me tell you, there are people who sign advertising deals on the back end because of being yeah. on or being associated with the podcast. So yeah, it's a great new business venture for both of us. <laughs> and it's for your listeners too. People want to, it's a lot of work, but man, the space is yours. If you're pools or if you're a chlorine generation or selling spas, whatever particular thing, you can go do a podcast. We just had Jackie, the hot tub lady, on okay. our last episode, and that is what she has done through YouTube and a podcast. That is, yeah. she has a, a bigger vision for it, but it definitely is an, like a sales assist as well. Oh, yeah. But yeah. She's now the expert. She's the hot tub yeah. lady. So the uh, topic that I pitched to you was open book management, which yeah. is also an open-ended topic, but it's something that I have been thinking about a lot lately for my business. And also it's something that for a while there, people were bringing up quite a bit, I feel like. And I don't know if it was just there were books out at the time that were really popular or what, but it was a topic that came up a lot. And then in the recent past, I have not heard about it very much, but that being said, the retailers that I know in the hot tub industry who are really successful do some form of this. And so it seems like something that we haven't talked about a lot recently, but might be a good thing to bring up again and remind people what it is and why it might be beneficial. Sure. So what is it? Is that yeah, kind of that's a what, that was gonna be my that was gonna be my first question to you. What I feel like it can be a lot of things, but what, what how would you define open book management? First of all, it did really get hot and heavy by three books, which are worth reading if anybody's interested. One is called, surprisingly, Open Book Management by a guy named John Case. Okay. The other two are by Jack Stack, who's uh, my hero CEO. He's just the most ethical, wonderful CEO I've ever come across. And he has one called The Great Game of Business and A Stake in the Outcome. So if you're interested in anything you hear, read those books. And they're not hard to read. They're pretty fun. All those to my list. <laughs> yeah, they really are. Uh, so what is it? And I may not have, I, by the way, those books came out in the mid nineties. So we're talking ancient stuff here, but it's not ancient. What it really is, 
making people in the company at every level aware of the numbers and how they work. And at its core, it's fundamentally fair because in essence, at a company, you're asking your people to meet the goals that are driven by numbers and they don't know what those goals are and they don't know how what they do directly affects them. And if you can create that understanding and give people a stake in the outcome, whether it's monetary, typically, ultimately it's monetary, then they are empowered by knowledge. They're empowered by growth and self-respect. They're empowered by getting to participate in the decisions. And so it's a wonderful thing. And Jack Stack's company, and I think it's Joplin, Missouri, SRC, if whatever it is, but his shop floor guys are manufacturing, they remanufacture engines. Shop floor guys have weekly meetings and they discuss their margins and they discuss the tools that they need to buy and they vote on the economics of whether or not they need to buy those tools. And business owners from around the country come and sit in bleachers to watch these guys do it. Oh, really? So they, oh, yeah. They got to put the orange with that orange stuff that you put on your hand to get grease off and yeah. wipe down and go sit in there and write in their tablets and vote on whether or not the marginal analysis on that new tool justifies the capital expenditure. That is fast. Wonderful. That is yeah. fascinating. I love yeah. that. Um, I I have not, I don't do this very well with my team, but back when I was an employee, there were a few times where I was like, Dave, we really should do this. He's like, okay, show me why. Show me the numbers. How do, why does this make right. sense? Sometimes I was able to, and sometimes I wasn't. <laughs> so yeah, that's a great practice, I feel like. I do too. And because I want to know, I love this stuff and I want to tell it, I'm a disciple. I want to go out and tell the world, you got to know this. Some people aren't as interested in numbers as I am. I can't believe it. Yeah, I would but, be one of those. I would be one of those people. That's why I work with you is because I don't <laughs> want to look at the numbers. I need someone who will hold me accountable to do it. <laughs> you know what? I, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. But if I could show you some number that if you did this with it would make you five times more profitable and put more cash in the bank. And all you had to do was this. Mm -hmm. All you had to understand was that numbers become very interesting. When there are these weird things your banker wants and you don't know why, they start giving you ratios that are meaningless to you. Right. And, you go, and let me get back and do what I love to do. Yeah. So I get that. Yeah. And it's, I feel like it's something that anytime you and I have a discussion or you write an article for the magazine, I feel like every time everyone starts with, you have to have good books. And I think that's probably where this one starts too, right? Like yeah. you can't have open book management if you don't have books that are worth looking at. <laughs> yeah. You're going to show people a mess if you do. <laughs> right. Just see, we had talked before we started here, you were talking, how do you get started with this? And I don't know if anybody will ever see this, but I'm holding in my hand a stack of thousand dollar bills that I bought off of Amazon. And actually I bought $10 million worth of thousand dollar bills. And by the way, that's $10,000 bills, but <laughs> wrapping them all into little banker wraps. And I did that. I bought these $1,000 bills to play a game to introduce bookkeeping to a client's team up in Tulsa. And when I say team, I'm talking about shop floor guys, everybody. And we had a table. I have a table game laid out. We use this real numbers, put approximately $10 million as sales. And then we move it down this game board. I take out money for the materials, or in the case, the spas, take out money for the install labor. I get gross profit. And then I take out the overhead and all that. 
until we actually have piles of money and very small amount makes it to the bottom. In, yeah. in this case, 700,000 out of 10 million made it to the bottom. And then I go over there and I say, now accounts receivable, I take that away and I pay taxes and there's nothing left. Yeah. And the guys look at, the, you don't have to do math. You just look at the pile of money and there's nothing left. Mm -hmm. And it's really introduces them to what a difference it can make. Then we go back and play it again with improved, a little better efficiencies and the money piles up at the bottom. So literally that's how we start them is by showing them. I love that. I think that's such a, that's such a good idea because anyone who's been an employee, I think you've had those moments where you're like, I don't, why aren't we doing this? Or why can't we do this? I know like I sold five hot tubs last week. There's no way they can't afford to do this. And yeah, that's that's a great way to introduce employees to where does all of that money actually go? Because yeah, when I was an employee, I didn't understand that. I've owned this business for six years now and I still don't always understand where it all goes. <laughs> Say a lot of business owners, just to show you how far off people were at that, at that demonstration I was just talking about probably 19 guys around the table. And the owner, before we started the game, he said, you guys have all worked here for years. You know what we do. How much do you think the company sells in a year? What are the companies? And now they got 19 employees in there, each making between 50 and $70,000. How much do you think the company sells? They all said, I don't know. And one guy leaned back and he said, $100,000. He was serious as a heart attack. He's sitting at a table with, 19 guys at 70, 60, 70,000, no clue. And I'm not making fun of the guy. I'm yeah. just saying that's how ignorance, not an insult. Ignorant means you don't know. Yeah. That's how ignorant they are of what's going on. So it was a real revelation that's, to understand. Yeah, that would be one of the benefits of doing this. But what are some of the other benefits of sharing more of your numbers and the books with your employees? At the high general level, I think, all people want autonomy, mastery, and purpose. They don't want to be a machine. They want something they can master and be included in. They need mm -hmm. a purpose. And making money isn't the only, at all, the only purpose. But it is the game you are playing. And the purpose is to make money. And now I'm a participant. Yeah. I'm not this mindless cog. So that's one level of good. The second one is, if you've heard me talk before, or read anything I've ever written, I'm all about getting gross profit margins up by either reducing costs or increasing prices. They're the ones who do it. Right. Now, if let's take your service guys at a spa. I'm matter of fact, your next article will be on this subject <laughs> of how knowing numbers changed dramatically. I want more than a hundred percent, the net profitability of a company simply because the guys knew what they were being measured on. And they were being rewarded for hitting targets. And they knew what the targets were because they showed them the books. If you go out and just say, hey, work harder. Increasing productivity and efficiency when they understand they are the guys who actually do it. Mm -hmm. You and I are the ones who talk about doing it. <laughs> exactly. No, it's, yeah, that's so true. Are there any potential drawbacks other than you have to do it? And that means maybe a little extra work at the front end, but are there drawbacks to doing this? No, the drawbacks are what have been going through everybody's mind since you started talking about what the topic was here. Yeah. I'm going to show those guys how much money I make and they're going to want raises and they're going to want this and that. And usually I'm going to say, I've been around with a lot of companies. If you make a lot of money at your job, 
and you own the company and you're a fair employer and they know that it's your company. They don't begrudge you that. There are people who will, but most won't, especially if you treat them fairly and respectfully. But there are people who are just going to grouse about, there are people I don't want to show my books to. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and that's being incongruent because showing your books means everything. Let me rephrase it. It means everybody. There are things you don't show people, mm-hmm. HR records, things like that. You can't hold sure. salaries. Yeah. But you don't want to show the secret contract terms that you have with your strategic partners, things like that. The basic sales per unit, costs of sales, what goes into that, margins, how much they have to do to break even, what the concept of break even is. In the great game of business, Jack Stack talks about they were having cash flow problems because of receivables. So mm-hmm. they had a general wide company meeting and they started talking about receivables. And this guy was, I don't know if it's Jack Stack or one of his guys was walking through the shop and a guy pushing a broom said, Hey, you're getting that DSO down, which is day sales outstanding. I mean, so you got a guy with a broom, his whatever stock ownership is being affected by this cash flow problem. And he's yeah. writing them about getting the receivables down. People want to know what they're doing. And I think it's a wonderful thing. Yeah. That's such a, that's such a great example. Who among us has not been in like had issues <laughs> with uh, receivables <laughs> impacting their cash flow? That's pretty, that's a pretty amazing example though. So you mentioned things that you should and should not share are there ways that you should share this information? Are we, I guess it's going to depend, each company is going to be a little bit different, but are we open up, opening up spreadsheets or are we sharing different KPIs? What, is there like a, is there best practices for doing this? I'm sure there are, and I'm sure I don't know them all. My, my approach and is to keep it where people can grasp it real quickly who don't, not that they're stupid, but they don't yeah. like, it. a lot of people just don't like it. So I have some fundamentals that I like to work with sales. What are revenues? What are expenses? And by the way, if you buy a new truck, that's not an expense. Uh, Anyway, some of that subtle, what are margins and gross profits? What is overhead and what is break even? I think that is the most fundamental, absolute necessary piece of information people need to know. And then what happens if you improve margins, which I talk about all the time, Mm -hmm. you get people to grasp that. Equip stepping over two befores and throwing them in the trash. So go ahead and use them to frame up the next ship. Sure. So, yeah. Okay. I don't know if that answered your question. No, it did. So I guess we're talking to like small to medium sized retailers. Mm-hmm. So who should be collecting and distributing this on? And like, what should the, how often do you think this should happen? Are we, like department heads or only the owner? I don't know. What do you think? I know it's like, it depends on the company. (laughs) 10 million or less dollars of sales or less, probably the boss, whoever he or she is. Yeah. Now the real thing is, sorry to say, but the boss got to get it too, right? Right. They have to understand. And maybe I just say a lot don't, but they need to grasp it first and then share their enthusiasm when they've been converted. Mm -hmm. And it depends on more than quarterly. You need to get it out there because one of the benefit, the main benefit from it is that you can start making changes and seeing the effects of your change. And if you're doing that once every three months, they don't even remember what you were talking about. Sure. Last time. Okay. The second thing is if you're tying some sort of remuneration to it, which I think you should to make it really interesting, mm-hmm. then there needs to be a very close link between 
cause and effect so that people link them together. Otherwise, I'm going to give you a year-end bonus based on the net profit of the XYV division in St. Louis next January. Mm-hmm. And somebody's going to get a check and they have no clue what they did Yeah, that, that affected that check. Yeah, I think that's a great idea, a great point. I think a lot of bonus programs aren't actual programs. It's just how much cash we have left over in December that I can distribute versus actually giving people buy-in and having them understand these are the things that you can do to actually get that and earn that. And not like a, hey, I'm just feeling, I'm just feeling, I'm just a nice boss. So I'm going to give you a That's, Christmas bonus. <laughs> you are. And it's like, what's that movie with Chevy Chase that he didn't get his Christmas, but somewhere he didn't get his bonus. And that's what the whole movie is. Yeah. If people come to expect it and no, it should be for a reason mm-hmm. and not necessarily just how the company did, because there's, if you're out driving a truck and doing service work, you're immensely important. How far is the connection between you and the 10 location company you're working with to profitability? And the boss is going to tell you, oh, you're super important. And you are, but my extra $100,000 worth of work I did this year, how does that affect me? Mm-hmm. If I got you a $10,000 bonus, you're going to pay attention. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think bonuses and bonus programs, there's just a, such an obvious way to make this make sense for a lot of people, especially for a lot of employees and understand and and grab onto. I guess if you're an employer and you just are not comfortable, like just fully buying into open book for whatever your hangups might be. Are there bonus programs are maybe one way, but are there other kind of like mini ways that you can do this without having to get too, so in depth that it freaks you out? <laughs> I think. Gross profit margins are something. You have to know sales and cost of sales and gross profit margins. That'll still open you up to something because if you have 50% margins and everybody's looking around going, they know you sold 2 million, you got a million dollars. Right. So I, I just say you're in or you're not. Yeah. And, and one reason people are reluctant, another reason people are reluctant is because they're scared what their employees will find out what the other guys make. And that yeah. situation comes around because a lot of people hire, they, they don't have a process for hiring. They don't have, I don't want to be too bureaucratic, but you're a service tech with one year of experience. That job pays X. Mm-hmm. You're five years crew, crew lead, designer, whatever. And what's actually happened in the company is everybody's just been hired and hired in the summer. We paid a lot, but we paid hired that guy in September. We didn't pay him as much. Mm-hmm. And then you tell him, if you ever tell anybody else your salary, I'll fire you. Right. You can't do that. Well, you can say it, but it's illegal. So what you got to straighten that stuff up where, yeah, you want to be a crew chief. Here's what you have to know to be a crew chief. Mm-hmm. You make more money. Yeah. I think in small businesses, that's got to be the case like a lot. Cause yeah, like you hire, you know, really want to get this person. And so you throw some money at them and pay them more than the guy who's been there for 10 years already. And that that stuff just happens. And yeah, I think that's something to be said for being really disciplined in your hiring and in your processes and how you document things so that it is fair to everybody. And you so you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, but that is one of the main reasons. And then the other one being what I said earlier, people see how much money you make or think you make, as we business owners know, might make a nice profit, still not have any money. It's all in the inventory on the floor. Yeah. It doesn't take a whole lot for that to disappear pretty quickly. Whatever, it doesn't show up on the, in the open books. So if someone was going to start doing this, you talked about doing it, the game that you played, 
But are there some basic things that an owner should do before they even present it to their employees to get ready to do this or just to start? Don't make fun of me. Get your books correct. Uh, yeah, that I mean, was going to, I asked an obvious question and got an obvious answer. <laughs> but, but that really is what it is. And if you understand yourself, just the simple things, sales, cost of sales, gross profit margins, overhead, profit, break even, and some of the fundamentals like repaying debt is not an expense, some mm -hmm. fundamental things. And people begin to see how much money comes in and how much goes out and how little is left over for most companies. Yeah. They say, guys, I look at them. We look at that $10 million on that game. And I go, guys, you should be furious. Look at all that money that went through your bank account. And you've got nothing. Even if you made a profit because of taxes and inventory, you got nothing on the old cash pile. Yeah. That's no, everybody ought to get mad. Matter of fact, what usually happens and literally happened at the one I'm talking about is one thing we had a, went through again and had some cash left over and thousand dollar bills. One of the guys, he looked over there, he goes, I wouldn't mind you peeling off me a couple of them thousand dollar bills. And I said, exactly. If yeah. we've got them, they're there. So this is the conversation that you and I have had a little bit just about, about my company and we're really small. And so everyone is a department and there no, and a lot of those are not what would be thought of as revenue generating departments, right? Like we've got a salesperson and then everyone else is creating the product. And so I think what I really like about this is that it, it shows everyone in the company how they contribute to the bottom line, right? Whether it's through efficiency, whether it's through customer service, and or whether it's through sales. Like everyone can see how that funnel works and how what they're doing contributes to us all making a salary and having a job and continuing as a business. Yeah, exactly right. And the brutal thing is not referring to your organization at all, but if you can't identify how you help, you shouldn't be there. <laughs> or the boss needs to find a way or you need to propose a way that you can. And uh, we see a lot of that. Yeah. So again, like one of the reasons I brought this up is just because it's been on my mind a lot recently. And I'm trying to figure out what does, how do we do this? What does this look like in our business? And it was really interesting because in our staff meeting a couple of weeks ago, for the first time, we looked at our whole month and said, hey, here are all of the digital products that are supposed to go live this month. And FYI, if they don't go live, like this is the money that we're losing with that. And we'd never done that before. And so it showed everybody, look, you maybe didn't sell this email to somebody, but guess what? If we don't, if you don't do the work of collecting that email from the client and actually getting it out on time, this is what it actually means to our bottom line. And it was, you could see a light bulb go off where it's, oh, I know that this is a pain when I have to email that person 15 times to get me to send us their advertising assets, but it's really important. <laughs> oh, not people, those are glittering generalities, but many people give it no thought whatsoever. None. No thought. I don't blame them. It's just that's not what they're focused on. It's not part of exactly what they do. It's yeah. not what they think about when they go home. They have no idea where it comes from. Yeah. And anyway, I think they should. Yeah. That's well, open book does. And I'm really blessed that I've got a bunch of just self-motivated people. Yeah. Like they don't need me to push them to do a good job. They just are. That's just innate in them. They are going to do a good job. But even at that, yeah, they don't know how those extra things, like they don't understand the impact that it can make to 
our year. And so, I don't know, it's just, it was just an interesting exercise and it solidified for me like, okay, we need to keep doing this and doing more of this because they have the right to know like what they're doing, how it impacts our bottom line and whether they get a bonus and all of those things that we've just talked about. Might be going too far into the details of it, but one of the things I want everybody to know is what break-even is, okay? Break-even is, as it sounds, and probably people know, but break-even is the point where you've sold enough not to make any profit, but not to make any loss, exactly zero. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say that is every little amount counts because prior to break-even, you are making nothing. You're selling and you're making gross profit margin, you're getting revenues, but you're making nothing. Mm -hmm. The day after you break even, all the gross profit goes to profit. Before that, all the gross profit goes to pay expenses. And that I have in my book, I say, if you break even on the 29th of the month, you had better not go fishing on the 30th because you've lost your only chance to make a profit before all the monthly bills reset on the first. And that's why it's most companies don't break even until maybe two thirds of the way through a month. If you want to think of it on a monthly basis, maybe even more than that. So it's every little bit that last email you didn't sell might've been the profit email. Yeah. That, that last cover lifter or, or right. step or whatever add on product <laughs> needs someone needs that month to talk about little things. And I'll say this, I pause so you can cut this out. I was talking to a client yesterday about the old proverb of the French pond and the lily pads. Okay. And if, Lily pads start growing on this pond and they double every day. So the first day there's one, the next day there are two more, so three. The next day there's six, four, right? At what point, on what day is the pond half full? You're just going to have to answer. (laughs) Okay. And me too. The answer is the day before it's full, right? It was half full. The next day it's full. If you start a day late, the day you lose is that last day. The day that was half. And that's the same thing with little things. The, if you start late, if you start late on getting it, that's the day you lose. Mm-hmm. So you got to make that sale, make it earlier, have time to make another one. Have, and it compounds and just everything goes crazy. Yeah. I think it's interesting to think about right now in our industry. So we had the like deluge from COVID where the sales were just off the charts. And now things are a lot more back to normal where... I think it's really important for the people in our industry and salespeople and even business owners to think about capitalizing on every single sale that walks through the door, showing them every option, showing them every accessory and not the basic accessories, but the upgraded things, anything that you can do to to up that yeah, to that that what you're getting per sale, that stuff goes up because those are the things that right now can really make or break someone's year is making sure that you just don't leave anything on the table. Like everyone who walks in gets to see all of the options, all of the bells and whistles. You're not leaving anything behind because that's, I think that's the thing in our industry is that people don't know what they don't. That's everything. People don't know what they don't know. I walk into a hot tub retail store. I don't know that I need a cover lifter and I don't know that some are better than others. And I need you, the salesperson, to tell me that. And then I'm willing to spend my money on it. Bashedly tell you that. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Is there anything else about open book management we haven't touched on? If you get into it, there will be a lot. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) But mostly it's those fundamental principles. And some people will buy into it in a big way. 
I think you will not be stressed by people finding out what you make if they find out exactly, but they just don't. I think people are more fair-minded than that. Yeah, I think so too. And like you said, there's always going to be those handful of people who are curmudgeons about it, but but I feel the rest of your team can probably get them in line. Yeah, right. or get them going. That's the other thing, right? <laughs> that happens like, too sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ab- absolutely. Martin, thank you for coming on the podcast again. You're I welcome. appreciate it. It's fun. The Spa Retailer Podcast is a production of Spa Retailer Magazine. Let us know what you think by leaving a review or emailing us at podcast at sparetailer.com. Thanks for listening. Thank <laughs> you.